0: Hey, everybody, my name is Anthony Alberino, and this is Think for Christ. Thanks again for tuning in to this series on evangelical anti-intellectualism. In the last episode, we began to answer the question, how has it come to this? With a historical review of the rise of anti-intellectualism in the American Christian experience. In this episode, I want to address the same question, how has it come to this? Only this time, I want to do it from the perspective of sociology. We saw last time that the general evangelical disposition to neglect the mind was forged in the revivalist and fundamentalist eras of the american past here we're going to see that in addition to our historical legacy which still influences us today there are societal conditions that are exacerbating and reinforcing our anti-intellectual tendencies the american culture at large has been for some time now losing its collective mind as a people we are forgetting how to think deeply, we are losing our ability to reason. We have become, in America, what journalist Carl Bernstein dubbed an idiot culture. In his 1992 article in The New Republic, Bernstein wrote, We are in the process of creating what deserves to be called the idiot culture. Not an idiot subculture, which every society has bubbling beneath the surface and which can provide harmless fun. But the culture itself, for the first time in our history, the weird and the stupid and the coarse are becoming our cultural norm, even our cultural ideal. He goes on to say that popular culture has become a sleazoid infotainment culture, and that ordinary Americans are being stuffed with garbage. That the great information conglomerates of this country are now in the trash business. That we're a country in which public discourse is reduced to ranting and raving. And posturing. Bernstein was chastising his own field, that of journalism, which in 1992 had a massive influence on the flow of information and in popular culture. Now consider this, he wrote these things before there was an internet, before the rise of social media, and these are technological innovations that have only served to amplify these stupefying factors contributing to the idiot culture. As many observers and critics of popular culture have noted, there has been a general demise in our ability to think critically. And studies have shown a decrease in the general intelligence of populations in the developed world. This is measured, for example, by the decline in average IQ scores over the last several decades. And educators who have been around for a long time decry the fact that students seem to be less and less equipped with basic critical thinking skills. Peter Kreeft, who has been teaching logic for over 50 years at the university level, has lamented, students could think, read, write, organize, and argue much better than they can today. So there seems to be a kind of dumbing down of intelligence in global industrialized culture in general, and in the American culture in particular. So what's going on here? Well, I think we can begin to unpack the problem in terms of two broad modern trends. One trend that has taken place at the level of the university and the other at the level of popular culture. We'll call these trends specialization and universalization respectively. The first trend is that of specialization in knowledge in higher education. Specialization has tended to make academic knowledge very deep, but also very narrow. As we saw last time, the American University went through a major upheaval in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, when the worldview of Christian theism was replaced with the secular view of scientific naturalism. Now, this same period also witnessed a change in the philosophy of education. There was a transition in the purpose and structure of higher education away from the model of the traditional liberal arts college to that of the modern research university. If you're interested, you can read about this transition in Julie Rubin's The Making of the Modern University. The traditional and historical notion of the university as a liberal arts college had two basic mandates. The first was to impart knowledge as well as the tools of critical thinking. And the second was to develop cultivated and virtuous citizens. Students were taught how to think well and how to live well. Classical education included a focus on logic and ethics and students were equipped to think and to reason for themselves and to cultivate moral and spiritual virtues. There was a time when the university was a place to go to become a well-rounded, cultured person. Students were expected to master a breadth of knowledge and were educated on a wide variety of topics in both the sciences and the humanities. Despite the plurality in the subjects taught, there was a unity to the curriculum, grounded in a monotheistic God, as well as the central guiding purpose of imparting wisdom. students were taught to see all the parts in the light of the larger whole in fact the name university itself is derived precisely from the classical version of unity in diversity it was once widely believed that there was a grand design to the universe that the parts existed for the sake of the whole that reality was rational and intelligible through and through and that there was a sufficient reason An ultimate explanation for everything. Contrast this classical model of education with that of the modern research university. Instead of developing a certain kind of person, the goal of the modern university is to promote progress. The classical ideal of wisdom has been replaced with the pragmatic ideal of measurable results. Instead of seeking to make wise and cultivated citizens, the modern university seeks to make productive members of society. Today you go to college to learn a practical skill for the purpose of obtaining a career. Most of your education is narrowly focused on mastering that skill so that you can eventually get a job. And students are no longer required to be trained in the liberal arts, things like history, literature, philosophy, the classics. And instead, there's a heavy focus on the so-called STEM courses of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And unless you major in philosophy, there will be little to no attention given to logic and critical thinking in your education. It's often been remarked that you used to go to university to be taught how to think, whereas today you go to the university to be taught what to think. And what counts as knowledge has also changed in the modern university. Most of today's universities are built on a fact value distinction, where empirical science is seen as the proper domain of knowledge in fact, while the non empirical fields, especially religion and ethics, study the non factual realm of values. So the attitude is that the sciences tell us about the realm of objective reality while everything else is relegated to the subjective realm of feeling and opinion. The modern university also no longer possesses the coherent unity that the classical liberal arts colleges had. Today, we have fragmented curriculums which focus on electives and specialization. In short, universities have given way to plural-versities. There's no longer an assumed unity in the world, and to knowledge. No telos, no grand purpose, no sufficient reason for the way things are, no harmony of parts to the whole. There was a time when you went to university to gain knowledge, and to learn how to think, so that you could become a wise person. Now, you go to university to learn a skill, so that you can get a job and have a career. And the modern trend in education toward specialization has generally reduced the collective ability to think critically in our culture today. The second broad trend in our society, this one at the popular level, is that of the universalization of knowledge. Whereas specialization describes the trend in academic knowledge to be very deep, but also very narrow, Universalization describes the opposite trend at the level of the popular culture for knowledge to be very broad, but also very shallow. In other words, universalization is the name for the phenomenon in which knowledge is much more widespread among the population today, but the depth of that knowledge and the quality of our thinking is also much shallower and weaker than it used to be. Ever since the development of information technology in the mid 20th century, we have been living in what has been characterized as the information age. Our ability to store and propagate digitized information has been increasing exponentially with time as newer and more sophisticated technology is developed and never before in history have human beings had access to the quantity of information that we have access to today i mean just think about it if you're a person living in the developed world you have immediate access to virtually the whole range of humanity's aggregated information in digital form and all of this right inside of your pocket in your cell phone now, you might think that this would make us more intelligent as a society, and there's a sense in which we are if one is measuring intelligence quantitatively, or by how much information we have amassed, or by how advanced our technology has become. However, in another sense, and let's call it the qualitative sense, we're actually becoming less intelligent as a society. The quality of of our thinking is declining. This is because we are now outsourcing much of our mental processing and thinking to computers. Consider for example, a very basic computer, a calculator. This device makes it possible to do many mathematical functions externally and rapidly. And because of the calculator, which is a wonderful invention for math dummies like myself, we can do math without really needing to think deeply about it. Now, there are lots of technologies that allow us to do similar things, and we can multiply examples indefinitely. I mean, think about the GPS. Think about apps on your phone that do language translation and so on. And today, many of us in the modern world outsource our knowledge to computers, knowledge that was once required to be mastered by our minds and to be stored in our memories. It's a whole lot easier. It takes a whole lot less effort to simply search for something online than to commit it to memory. And it's easier just to find someone's opinion on a topic online than to sit and and think deeply about something for ourselves. We even see this outsourcing happening at the level of public education. Many teachers are more concerned with training their students on how to find facts on the internet rather than with teaching them to have a working knowledge and grasp of the facts in their minds. And if you have a school-aged child, you can probably attest to this pedagogical shift in emphasis. So, in light of these considerations, it's not surprising that there used to be a much higher average of critical thinking among those in technologically advanced nations. It seems that there may be a correlation between the universal proliferation and access to information on the one hand, and the reduction of individual intelligence on the other. While the availability of information is increasing, it seems that our ability to reason is simultaneously decreasing. So the trends of specialization at the academic level and of universalization at the cultural level have created a seemingly paradoxical situation. Os Guinness writes, Because of the universalizing trend, today's everyday knowledge at the popular level is far below the old high average. Because of the specializing trend, today's elite knowledge is far above the old high average. So although we're excelling in our scientific and technical knowledge, collectively and on the whole. And despite the fact that information is now more readily available than ever before, we are becoming progressively more intellectually shallow as individuals. The trends of specification and universalization are contributing to the stupefaction of society and are reinforcing our idiot culture. Now, the implications of all of this for the evangelical community should be clear. The downward trend of critical thinking in our society is only making the problem of anti-intellectualism in the church that much worse. Our idiot culture is only serving to encourage the evangelical neglect of the Christian mind. Now, unfortunately... We are not only undergoing a crisis of critical thinking in our culture, we are also facing a psychological crisis or a crisis of the soul. Psychologists have characterized American culture as the domain of the empty self. The term has been used to capture what has become the hollow, unreflective, intemperate disposition or temperament, Of the average person living in the modern world. J.P. Moreland lists seven traits of the so-called empty self that make it a danger to society and to the church. First, the empty self is inordinately individualistic. As Moreland explains, the individualistic person is a self-contained individual, who defines his or her own life goals, values, and interests as though he or she were a human atom, isolated from others with little need or responsibility to live for the concerns of the broader community. Self-contained individuals do their own thing and seek to create meaning by looking within their own selves. Now, there's been a lot of talk today about becoming your authentic self. Who you really are, we are told, is defined by your own subjective inner feelings and desires. This subjective psychological view of the self is a modern innovation. For most of human history, a person's identity was largely shaped by that person's role in the wider community, his place in human society, and by his responsibilities that he had to others in that society. Today, each person is an atomic individual free to create their own identity in isolation from everyone else and free from responsibility to anyone else. There was a time when each individual had a responsibility to conform to what was seen as the rational order of nature and of society. Now, in our time, we have inverted this reasonable view the wider community is now told that they have to conform to the individual and the individual's subjectively chosen authentic self. As a culture, we've lost an objective standard for what it means to be a well-adjusted person living in communion with other people. We have become radically individualistic. The empty self is also infantile. Psychologists are pointing out that adolescent personality traits are staying with people longer today than in earlier generations. Indeed, many in our culture never fully outgrow their immature dispositions. They remain, to some extent, infantile. An infantile person needs instant gratification, comfort, and soothing, is controlled by infantile cravings for food, entertainment, consumer goods is preoccupied with sex, physical appearance, and body image, lives by feelings and experiences, and has no patience for pain, endurance, hard work, and delayed gratification. The empty self is also narcissistic. We live in a time when people are obsessed with themselves at the expense of others, with their own needs Uh, their own dreams, their physical appearance, their image. And social media especially has become kind of a conduit for the expression of mass narcissism. It seems today that nearly everybody is in the personal branding business. Social media largely consists in a community of performers. A narcissistic person is self-centered, self-infatuated, self-interested, egoistic is obsessed with personal fulfillment and the desire to validate self-esteem, is superficial and aloof, and is lacking in self-denial. The empty self is passive. Very few people today think about the kind of person they ought to be, the kind of things that they ought to believe. Many do not even deliberately choose who they are. Rather, they simply unreflectively absorb the opinions and lifestyles of the popular culture in which they live. Instead of actively considering what it means to be good and to live a good life, most people in our culture are passively molded by their environment. A passive person lets other people do his living and thinking for him, is focused on being amused and entertained does not have a life of his own, and instead lives vicariously through the lives of celebrities, entertainers, and social media influencers. The empty self is sensate. Modern people tend to be inordinately carnal and preoccupied with bodily pleasure. However, developing the intellect and thinking deeply can be arduous and laborious. It's hard work. And for this reason... Many today have minds that are conditioned to be unreflective and superficial. A sensate person is dependent on rapid images, simplistic ideas, practical application, and emotional appeal, is generally averse to abstract reasoning, is attracted to media discourse that is heavy on entertainment, in light on content, is easily distracted with a short attention span. Oz Guinness has contrasted what he calls the age of exposition, where the written and spoken word dominated with the age of entertainment, dominated by images. He writes, In the age of exposition, speakers and writers could always assume a serious attention span, a remarkable comprehension level, considerable sophistication concerning the world and history, and a relatively rigorous style of argument. In short, American thinking and speech in the age shaped by the printed word were substantive and serious. He continues, Americans no longer talk to each other. They entertain each other. They do not exchange ideas. They exchange images. They do not argue with propositions. They argue with good looks, celebrities, and commercials. In Moreland laments, people no longer base their decisions on a careful use of abstract reasoning in assessing the pertinent issues, nor are they as capable of doing so compared to earlier generations, when thought was communicated by writing and abstract ideas, not by images. The empty self has lost the art of developing an interior life. People today seem overly concerned with external factors such as looks, popularity, friends, wealth, influence, interests, careers, causes, political affiliations, and so on, rather than by internal character, virtue, and a commitment to truth. A person who lacks an interior life will lack deep character and virtue, intellectual reflection, independent ideas and convictions, and spiritual formation. Finally, the empty self is hurried and busy. It is a great irony that although modern life is replete with time-saving technology, we've somehow managed to become the busiest and most hurried people in history. We are distracted people who are increasingly unable to concentrate or to engage in thoughtful reflection. And very few of us spend time in sustained thought anymore or contemplate. Modern Americans are too gorged with activities and noise to have time for intellectual development, too frenzied in their pace of life to nurture an interior life, too fatigued with no energy to read or listen to intellectually demanding material, and too rushed and distracted to improve the mind, put forth effort, reflect, or sustain thought. Once again, the implication of the empty self on the evangelical mind should be obvious. The empty self is the enemy of the Christian mind. Moreland writes that the empty self is constituted by a set of values, motives, habits of thought, feeling, and behavior that perverts and eliminates the life of the mind, and makes maturation in the way of Christ extremely difficult. He says, If someone is basically passive, he or she will just not make the effort to read, preferring instead to be entertained. If a person is sensate in orientation, music, magazines filled with pictures, visual media in general, will be more important than mere words on a page or abstract thoughts. If one is hurried and distracted, one will have little patience for theoretical knowledge and too short of an intention span to stay with an idea while it's being carefully developed. He continues, instead, there will be a rush to get to the bottom line, an overemphasis on practical application and how-tos, a reader's digest approach to sermon evaluation or reading selection, and if overly individualistic, infantile, and narcissistic, what will that person read if he or she reads at all? Such a person will read Christian self-help books that are filled with self-serving content, many slogans, simplistic moralizing, and a lot of stories and pictures, and inadequate diagnosis of issues that place no demand on the reader. So the fact is that we're living in the midst of an idiot culture, populated by empty selves. Now, this is a sociological context that only serves to reinforce the anti-intellectualist tendencies of the American evangelical church. Now, of course, as Christians, we're called out from among the world in which we live. We're supposed to look different, to act different, to think different, to be different than the secular culture around us. We are first and foremost citizens of the kingdom of God, and our lives are to be characterized according to that kingdom, not this one. We're called to a higher level of living. We're called to a higher level of thinking. So we cannot allow ourselves to be caught up in the cultural current that will inevitably drag us away from the cultivation of our minds. Today, I believe there's a great opportunity, an opportunity for the church to stand out by displaying the depth and richness of the Christian mind in the midst of a society that has embraced an idiot culture. There's an opportunity for us to shine by modeling a character of virtue and wisdom in a society full of empty selves. Now, unfortunately, There are some within the church who argue that developing the intellect is not something the Christians should be concerned about, and some even use the Bible to make their case. So, next time on Think for Christ, we'll look at some of the passages from Scripture that are often used to argue against the life of the mind.